her for granted. Today we're going to talk about one of the most important roles in the world, and that is the role of a mother. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, what a godly mother looks like, or the marks of a godly mother. So before we get into that, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for all of the mothers in this room, Lord, and I thank you for my mother, and I, I just thank you uh, that you have put, put them on this planet to take care of us and uh, help raise us, and I pray, Lord, that uh, you would help us all to be uh, godly people um, and help us uh, to understand that godly mothers are necessary uh, in this life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're celebrating one of the most important yet underappreciated positions in all of life, uh, the job of the mother. Make no mistake, it is a job. Uh, my wife reminds me of that quite often. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> uh, but we need to not take it for granted. It is hard work. And, you know, I was, I was uh, joking with my wife the other day about, you know, well, you, know, you, you go to the bathroom and you get your 10-minute break, right? Or your 30-minute your break sometimes. <laughs> but it's, it never stops. It's a, it's a difficult job, and it is a job, and we should appreciate it. We need to not take for granted the women that have loved us more than anyone else for our whole lives. Even more than that today, though, we want to give more honor, even more honor, to those godly mothers who show us the ways of God. A statement was once made that still rings true today. Give our boys better mothers, and they will give those mothers better sons. This is still true today because a mother's influence can shape the path for a child's life. They can set them on the path that the Lord desires, and no matter what uh, may come in their lives, they will always remember the teachings and examples of mom. Dr. Jean Campbell Morgan had four sons, and they were all preachers. Someone once came uh, to the draw into the drawing room uh, when all the family was there, they thought that they would see what Howard, one of the sons, was uh, made of, and they asked him this question. Howard, who is the greatest preacher in your family? Howard had great admiration for his father, and he looked straight across at him, and then without a moment's hesitation, he answered, Mother. And so this is something that we need to understand in our households. Who's, who's really preaching to our children in our houses? Is it the father who's most of the time off working, or they should be, or is it the mom? It's the mother's responsibility that the children know God. That's such an important thing. This morning, we're going to look at some of the marks of a godly mother. We're going to see some things that are found in a woman named Hannah uh, that I would like you to examine your own heart and life and to see if you have these same marks. You might conclude that you have lacked some of these things, but the good news is that even if you are a grandmother now or a great-grandmother, it is never too late to start these things. We'll begin this morning by seeing the marks of Hannah. Uh, let's see what Han Hannah's uh, good, godly aspects uh, that were the marks of her motherhood or got marks of the godly mother here. We're going to be in 1 Samuel today. In uh, chapters 1 and 2. And the first thing we're going to see is that Hannah cried for a child. 
Uh, she cried for a child. Um, you know, if you've been coming on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, you, we've been going through the book of Genesis, and we've seen quite a few uh, women that were barren, and they prayed to God, and God answered those prayers in giving them children. And so we, we talked about, you know, Sarah and then Rebecca. Uh, well, now Hannah in the Old Testament. So, so starting at 1 Samuel 1, 5 through 10, it says, But Hannah, or sorry, but to Hannah, he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb, uh, and her revival also provoked her severely uh, to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year, uh, when she went, went to the house of the Lord, that she provoked her. Uh, therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then uh, El Elkanah, her husband, uh, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Uh, why do you not eat? Why is your heart uh, grieved? Am I, am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose uh, after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, now, Eli the priest uh, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. That verse 10 there, that's, that, that really shows her heart, and the anguish really doesn't do it justice, and we're going to explain that a little bit. So she was sad because she was not able to bear children. Uh, that was... That's the, the gist of it. And so what does she do about this? She weeps before the Lord. She wept. Notice the phrase in verse 10. It says, she was in bitterness of soul. She was in bitterness of soul. This phrase means that she was oppressed with grief. She just it was full of grief. When he found out his father had given his inheritance to Jacob. Uh, it's also the same word that's used in the book of Exodus when the children of Israel uh, came to a place where they could not drink of the water because it was bitter. They called that place Mara. In the book of Ruth, as uh, Naomi returns to the land of Moab uh, after her children and husband had died, she tells them uh, to no more call her Naomi but Mara because she was bitter and oppressed. And so that, that kind of describes uh, that phrase there. Notice also here, and this is where you really have to kind of understand the Hebrew. It also says here that she wept in anguish, right? And that the English does not do that justice. Uh, uh, it's interesting when you look. So sometimes in the Hebrew, when they want to emphasize things, uh, they they multi they do two word like they they repeat the word twice. And so in the Hebrew, it literally says she wept, wept, and so. It's interesting because that's showing how deeply she was weeping. In other words, you know, in her weeping, she wept, right? Uh, you know, I, I've heard people say, you know, oh, oh, your muscles have muscles, right? Well, her tears had tears. That's, that's how sad she was that she couldn't have children. This literally points to the fact that she was heartbroken over the fact that she was barren and she was oppressed to the point that her soul was like bitter water that she just couldn't swallow. So what does she do about this? She's weeping and weeping. So what does she do? Well, she prays 
for a child. She prays for a child. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 11 through 12 says, Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. So what does she do? She's barren, and then she turns to the one that she knows is in control. She prays to the Lord. She prays to the one who is in control. Back in verse 10, it says that she prays to the Lord. She poured her heart out to God. She didn't pray out loud. And it even goes to say that the priest Eli thought that she was drunk. That's, he, he, she's so distraught over this that the priest thinks that, that she's drunk. Alcohol will make you do things normally that you would not do. Uh, it would take away your sense of control or caring about what others may think. That's why he thinks that she's drunk. Because she's just, she's weeping and weeping. She doesn't care what anybody else sees, right? When you come to the place where you are so broken uh, that you are desperate, it is like being intoxicated uh, and you do not care what others may think of you. You begin, you begin to call out to the God of heaven and pour out your heart to him. Notice verse 15 says, But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. She's not drunk. I, she's, I have such a sorrowful spirit. I'm pouring it out to God. This is a mark of a godly mother here. Good, seeking the Lord for a child. That's the very first thing. You know, this... Oh, I'm going to get to this later. She knew God would hear her, first of all. She wasn't going to anyone else. She was going to the one who could hear her and the one who could actually do something about it. She trusted in the Lord. What is interesting is that she was oppressed and she had bitterness of soul, but she was still faithful to the Lord. A lot of times people today, when they're so sorrowful, they tend to blame God for things that are going wrong. The correct action here is what Hannah did. She is so oppressed and bitter, but she's totally faithful in God and she's turning to him. She's continually seeking him. So what is the result of this? Well, she receives a child. Verse 19 and 20 says, Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore, bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. So she had a son. God answered her prayer very specifically. Uh, we talked about this the other night. When you pray specifically, God answers specifically. 
You know when something comes directly from the Lord because he answers our prayers in ways that we could not imagine. She prayed for a man-child, a son, and that is exactly what she received. She named him Samuel. This means God has heard. That's literally what Samuel's name means. And so she's giving respect and honor and glory to God, even with the naming of her child. She says, I, I, I got this, and I, I'm going to name him God has heard. She recognizes that this is from God. She also knew where he came from. She knew that he was from the Lord. She prayed for this. God answered. And then she didn't just forget about God after that. Sometimes when prayers are answered, a lot of times we forget that we ever asked God for those things, right? So what does she do? Well, she keeps up her end of the bargain. She gave a child. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. It says, for this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I have asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. So God gives her this child, and what does she do? She gives it back to God. That's an awesome thing. She gave him back to the Lord. This is the essence of stewardship, right? See... Our children, we need to understand as believers, our children are not ours. They're God's. We're watching over them and training them and teaching them and disciplining them for God. That is the most important thing. She realized who this child really belonged to. You may be thinking, well, how could she do this? After she had cried and wept before the Lord for the child, now she, she's going to give the child back to God. You know, I was kind of, again, joking with my wife a little bit while I was trying to figure out a Mother's Day sermon. Uh, we were talking about, you know, okay, good, bad moms, you know. Uh, oh, Hannah, you know, oh, she gave him, she, she, she gave him the temple, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to go further than that. But there's a lot of moms in the Bible, you know, uh, Moses' mom put him in the river to, you know. <laughs> but these are all good moms, right? Uh, they're trusting the Lord. So it's kind of funny, but understand that she knew this child belonged to God and she was giving him back. That's what every mother needs to do. Every mother needs to make sure their children are given back to God. She rejoiced for the child. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. This is a very beautiful passage here, these 10 verses. It says, and Hannah prayed and said, my, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is God of knowledge, or sorry, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. 
Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts up the beggar from from the ash heap to set him among the princes and make him sorry make them inherit the throne of glory for the pillars of the earth are the lords and he has set the world upon them he he will guard the feet of his saints but the wicked shall be silent in darkness for by strength no man shall prevail the adversaries of the lord shall be broken in pieces from heaven he will thunder against them the lord will judge the ends of the earth he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. What a beautiful praise of God there. Hannah is so happy that she's had this child, that she has given this, this wonderful praise to God. She rejoiced because the Lord had given her the desire of her heart. It's very interesting that at one point we can have bitterness of soul and then later, we can experience the joy of the Lord in ways that we could not have dreamed. It is truly a fact that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. The next thing that Hannah does is she recognized that this was the hand of the Lord. When God answers prayers, we need to recognize that it was him working. She did not take credit. She gave all credit and glory to God because of the faithfulness of Hannah to keep her promise uh, made to God and her attitude of rejoicing. God blessed her with other children. She didn't just have Samuel here. She went on to have more children because of this. If you go down to verse 21, it says, And the Lord visited Hannah. Uh, so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. I just want to ask you this before we move on. What if she had not kept her promise? Do you think the Lord would have continued to bless her with more children? No, probably not. So she kept her promise to the Lord. She, she, praised God over this. And what did God do? She was, she was a good steward of her child by giving him back to the Lord. What did God do? Gave her more children. When we, when we are good stewards of what God has given us, God gives us more. If you, kind of, if you think about it as a job, right? And you know, you, you go to your employer and you're like, I want a promotion. And your employer's like, well, you, you aren't doing your job as it is. You think he's going to give you the, the promotion? No. He's not going to give you more responsibility when you're not taking care of the responsibilities that you have. But when you do take care of the responsibilities that you have and you do well, you don't even have to ask your employer sometimes. They want to give you more to do. This is the same thing with really our entire walk with God. So now that we have seen the marks of a godly mother uh, named Hannah, we need to have mothers like this today. So we need to see these marks of a godly mother in our mothers today. So first, 
What was the first thing Hannah did? Well, that, that our mothers need to do. Cry for children. Cry for children. Women should want to have children today. It's a sad thing that, that there are those in the world today that are pushing women to not have children. It seems like at every front, they're trying to push birth control on women. It's, it's really sad. There are many women today that cannot have children. I would like to tell them all this one thing. God is the giver of life. There are many ways that you can have children if you are having trouble, right? There's fertility medicine. That, that's one of the things. There's even adoption, right? You can still be a mother with, if, even if you can't physically do it. Not a lot of people know this, or uh, quite a few people. I mean, not everyone's. I haven't talked about it a lot, but with Elizabeth, it took us a while to have her. And it was a struggle. I, it took like a year and a half of trying to have a child that we finally had Elizabeth. That was with finally fertility medicine and everything. Uh, there was a lot of pain during that time uh, for my wife and for me. It, it was it was difficult. Um, it, it when you're trying for to have a child for that long, it becomes not fun anymore. I'll just say that. But God answers prayers, right? And then with our next child, Rebecca, it, it happened pretty much immediately. So it's kind of uh, an interesting thing. But thank God that we have doctors and medicine today that can help women with, women with that. Thank God that we have. Uh, things like adoption today. We should praise God for the advancement of medicine and technology with these things. It's also very sad, and this is kind of a, a downer in this right now, but I did want to say this. It's very sad to think about the, the fact that thousands of unborn babies are murdered every day. Every day. And there's the way, when you think about all the women that are having trouble having children that would love to adopt children, and then there's all these babies being murdered all the time. This reminds me of when Cain killed Abel. And God said that his blood cried out to him. There's a lot of blood from aborted babies that is crying out to God today. Not only, we should not only be upset about this, but we should also cry for children without godly mothers. It's not enough just to be a mom. You know, there's, there's many w women today that are mothers that are not really acting like it. We need to cry for children without godly mothers. There are mothers today that don't even love their own children. We need to pray for children as well. Maybe you're like Hannah and you desperately want to have children. What do you do? Go to God, right? That was something that my wife and I had to understand. It's, it's all in God's timing. Right? Pray for children that they might grow up learning to fear God and keep his commandments. 
That's the mo again, that's the most important thing that a mother can do for a child. Make sure that your child knows God. Because, you know, you think about anything in this world today, uh, in this life, right? As bad as things can get here on earth, what's so mu very much more important is their eternity. We're only here on earth for a very short period of time. So moms, make sure your children know Jesus. When you receive a child, when you've prayed and you, you have a child, give that child. When God blesses you with children, you have to give them back to him. When you realize that you are raising God's child, it changes your perspective on things. This will help, this will help them avoid the darkness of this world and be used greatly of the Lord. The best thing that you can do to prepare your child for this world when you're no longer with them is make sure that they are grounded in God's word. Because if they're grounded in God's word, right, then they have the basis for everything that they need. When everything is coming at them, what can they do? Just like you went to God for everything, make sure they go to God for everything. Next, rejoice for children. Rejoice for children. Hannah thanked God for what he had done. Never neglect to thank God because he is the giver of life. Thank God every day for the kids he has given you and let your kids hear you praying to God and thanking him. You know, they, they say that um, children are very... Uh, slow to do what you tell them to do, but they're very quick to imitate. So if your children see you praying to God, they will pray. And this is something, I, I've seen it with my kids. I, I, I'm telling you, this is the truth. When your kids see you praying, they'll copy it. it with they, the things that are important to you will become important to them. But the things that you tell them are important, that you don't exercise, they're not going to say it is important. So make God important to you, and that will rub off on them. In conclusion this morning, would you go to God on behalf of your children? What about your grandchildren? Or if you have any, your great-grandchildren? If you don't have any, will you pray for other people's children? My children? I, my children need your prayers, trust me. <laughs> they live with me. <laughs> we are living in a very hard time in this world today. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. We're constantly being attacked as Christians. We need to make sure that our families are grounded in the Lord. And we need to be praying a lot. You know, sometimes I, I talk to people, and, and I'm guilty of this too, but this is something I realized the other day. You know, however much you think you pray, you pray, pray more, okay? Yeah, I've, I've talked to people, and they go, oh, I pray a lot. Okay, do you pray like Daniel did? And he prayed all night long, right? We, we, none of, most of us haven't even heard of someone that has done that today. We should be doing that. 
that we're at a point in this world where we need to be praying on behalf of our children like Daniel did. Maybe you're here this morning, and as the pianist and song leader come, maybe you're here this morning and you, ne- you have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Your life can change forever right now. I don't want to take anything away from our, our mothers in this room, but we need to take a moment to talk about our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father sent His only begotten Son to come and die on a cross. That way you might be saved. And your mothers in this room, you should make sure your children know this. That all you have to do in order to be saved, all you have to do in order to have eternity with Jesus, so simple. And we were talking about this this morning. It's such a simple thing, and people still refuse to do it. All you have to do is repent of your sins and turn to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Repent and believe. That's what repent means. It just it literally means to turn around, right? You do that and you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You believe in what he came to do for you, not just for other people, but for you personally. You will be saved. So pray and do that this morning. Repent and believe.